This is Live Well Talk on Lyme disease. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at UniPoint Health St. Luke's Hospital. Lyme disease is one that's in the, the news occasionally and seems to be on some level a mysterious illness that afflicts patients and they go on for their, the rest of their lives with this chronic Lyme phenomenon. And there's a lot of myth and misinformation regarding Lyme disease, basically thanks to the internet. And to clarify some of these myths and provide us uh, evidence-based direction, I have with me today Kristen Baker, nurse practitioner with infectious disease, and Dr. Ahmed Abulful, infectious disease specialist. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Lyme disease is, is one of those phenomenons that, much like multiple sclerosis, there appears to be kind of a this perceived relapsing remission, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. What is Lyme disease? Uh, Lyme disease is an infection that's called uh, caused by a bacterium called uh, Bur- Borrelia. Uh, it's the most common tick-borne illness. It causes a rash. Uh, it's more prevalent in certain states and areas that they're called hot spots. What are some of those hot spots? Uh, Northern California, the Midwest, and uh, they Lyme disease. Um, you can acquire Lyme disease after being bitten by a deer tick, uh, usually carried by a mouse or a deer. Uh, some risk factors um, is being in tall grass or bushes. A lot of people think that they can jump or fly onto, which is not true. Uh, like I said, usually you rub up against uh, tall grass or uh, a bush. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the deer tick's tiny compared mm-hmm. to the wood tick, right? About a tenth yep. the size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, because sometimes I think people get bitten by wood tick yes. and then they believe mm-hmm. they have Lyme disease. Yes, that's correct. And you don't need to keep the tick, but if you think you've been exposed uh, or bitten, it's really important to uh, look at that tick and kind of know in the characteristics of the tick, which will help the provider that you eventually go to. Um, you can describe what it looked like and that will help them to determine if you need treatment uh, or not. Kristen, what, is that, what does the rash look like? And does the rash occur where the tick bit the individual or does the rash uh, It can. Occur? It can. Otherwise, it can be disseminated, which means it can be kind of all over uh, the body. It doesn't necessarily mean um, where you've been bitten. Um, but in the medical field, we call it a bullseye rash, um, which means that there's central clearing, uh, that it will be flesh color in the middle, and then it's red around the uh, premises. Um, and that's the t- typical classical bullseye rash from being uh, bitten by a tick. It doesn't necessarily mean um, one of two things. If you've been bitten, you don't necessarily get the rash. But if you do have the rash, um, see your healthcare providers. And if you have the rash, there's serology or blood tests that can be done. But if you have the rash, you don't necessarily need blood tests. Your provider can give you treatment based on uh, your history and the the clinical exam. So if uh, being the outdoorsman that I am, that hashtag sarcasm, um, what, 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 I go out in the, in the field and get bitten by a tick. How, how, how soon after that bite does the, the rash or symptoms start? Typically, the rash, or excuse me, the tick needs to be attached for a day and a half before. So it's not a casual bite. I mean, it's a truly implantation. Yes, exactly. So it has to be on you for a day, uh, typically a day and a half. And then 
Um, what I or what we advise patients, you know, if you've been out in a wooded area, if you're a deer hunter or you live by predisposing factors, you know, you live in a, a area that has a lot of trees and shrubs or you've been doing a lot of gardening, when you come in, make sure that you're looking for the, the ticks. Um, wear light colored clothing, which can help kind of identify ticks. Make sure that you're wearing long sleeves, hats, um, long pants when you're outside. We like to tell patients to tuck their pants into their socks. Um, that can be beneficial as well. And like I said, when you come in from the outdoors, um, check, your, check yourself over. If your kiddos have been outside with you, make sure that you're checking them over. Throw your clothes in the wash. Make sure that you are taking a shower um, with warm, soapy water um, when you come in from outdoors. Another good point is you can take your clothes and put them in the dryer. Uh, for four minutes, um, around four minutes, and that can really help eliminate your risk factors uh, for getting bitten by a tick. And if you do find a tick on you, uh, use a tweezers to take it off, um, and then make sure that you're washing that area where you found the tick with uh, warm, soapy water as well. So if I have a tick bite, it's a deer tick, mm -hmm. it's been there a day and a half, I take it off, do I need to be worried about Lyme disease? Do I need to come see my favorite infectious disease clinic? Uh, or do I wait for symptoms? If you have a tick bite, as you said, this is a, a scenario that there is a risk of uh, a Lyme disease. Um, we don't have to wait for the symptoms. We can initiate treatment. Usually we have something called uh, Lyme disease prophylaxis where we can give you an oral doxycycline for one day and that should take care of this. Okay. And then... If I blow past, I don't, let's say I don't have the rash and I start to develop fevers and joint aches, what, how, how do those patients present just like that with a fever and ongoing joint, joint aches or, or uh, arthralgias? Sure. There's a lot of patients that present like that that actually don't come in with the bullseye classical textbook rash. Um, again, we ask you your history, have predisposing factors. You know, have you been outside? Have you been to these areas? And then, like I said before, that there are blood tests that we can do if there's a suspicion of that. A um, couple of them are called. The first one we would do would be the ELSA test. And then if that was confirmatory, then the Western blot test, which would confirm that. So it requires two blood tests to confirm. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can make more comments. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I think if we want to answer this question, usually Lyme disease, we have acute form and we have chronic form. The acute uh, uh, can be localized and can be disseminated. Uh, so the acute localized, basically you have the uh, um, classical uh, bullseye uh, rash, and it's only one spot that you can look at, and that will be like acute localized Lyme disease. Sometimes those people, they may not have fevers. Uh, they may not have systemic symptoms. Uh, it's only the rash. But the, if you have acute disseminated Lyme disease, which means the, the bacteria is all over your body, and that uh, in such kind of scenario, you'll have high fevers. Sometimes, like you have, uh, uh, you have really bad joint pain, muscle pain. Some people they can develop acute meningitis by Lyme disease, and those people may present with really bad headaches, uh, neck stiffness. Uh, uh, the other thing, uh, they may have uh, nerve palsies. Basically, when you examine them, they may have double vision uh, because of that. Uh, the other, uh, this is like we call it acute CNS Lyme disease. The other possibility is uh, heart involvement. So people, they may present with carditis. 
And usually that will... Which is an inflammation of the heart. Uh, it's inflammation, yeah, inflammation of the heart. But usually the Lyme disease will affect the conduction system of the heart. And uh, basically they will have, they will may present with uh, first degree heart block or sometimes complete heart block. And that could be a serious uh, uh, complication of acute Lyme disease. Uh, the third form is the chronic form. If you say have the tick bite, you have no symptoms to alert you that there's something going on with me, and then maybe the chronic form will be like arthritis, where people will present with really bad joint, uh, you know, like swelling and pain. And that's the chronic form of the Lyme disease. And the chronic form can be treated with antibiotics uh, as well? Definitely. If it's arthritis, I mean, you can uh, give them like the IV antibiotics. Uh, sometimes there's a mix between what is called post-Lyme disease syndrome and the uh, chronic form of the infection. Uh, the chronic form, definitely, if it's in the arthritis, you can treat them with, uh, with antibiotics, whether oral or IV, and then they will get better. Uh, the post-Lyme disease, uh, we found that, you know, after the acute infection, sometimes people, they may have some symptoms of, like, muscle pain, joint pain, but usually it, did, it should not last that long. Usually, like, a few weeks, few months, and then people will get better. I think all clinicians have had the encounter of someone that believes they have chronic relapsing Lyme disease, and that's an argument that's hard to win uh, with the patient because they believe that. And I know you know that we have a stewardship policy in antibiotics, and sometimes we decline antibiotics from physicians that are trying to treat chronic Lyme disease because there's just no evidence for it. And, uh, you know, there's also been some physicians that have had trouble with licensing board because of advertising to do this. And, uh, you know, that's, 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 a, that's a real problem. Do patients get referred to you with this relapsing Lyme disease uh, very often? First of all, there is no strict criteria for, for uh, defining chronic Lyme disease, and evidence shows that antibiotics beyond the currently recommended amounts don't improve symptoms. I don't know if you remember, Dr. Bofill, when you were working at the wound clinic, we had person present they wanted to do hyperbarics for their Lyme yeah. disease. You know, I, I think the, the, the take-home point in those patients is make sure they don't have something else. Yes, oh, many of the symptoms can overlap. Yeah, so you do definitely, if you are having those vague symptoms, you need to see a healthcare provider because, again, many of those symptoms overlap. I, and so we need to rule out other things. I, I diagnosed MS one time, mm -hmm. sclerosis, and a yep. patient that was convinced they had relapsing Lyme disease. And it was, they had MS. You know, mm -hmm. It was yep. kind of classic. It, there, there's no vaccination for Lyme disease, is there? There was uh, but there's nothing to be used right now. But there was like uh, in the past they were like talking about the Lyme disease vaccination. It wasn't development, but I don't think it's effective. It's the same like the HIV vaccine. And is there repellent for ticks? Uh, like there is. Like I, I should have mentioned that earlier with yeah. prevention. Um, that uh, would recommend using DEET, and you can also do a permethrin tool where you can soak your there's protocols out there on the internet, but you can soak your clothes in permethrin if you're like a deer hunter or out in the woods a lot. That would help um, to eliminate your risk for getting bitten by a deer tick. Do, are our family pets, our dogs, can, do they get Lyme disease? Can they, I mean, we, we put flea and tick on them every month, but is that something that they could transmit? Well, I'm not a vet to talk about you're not that. A yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> going to just leave that question to the okay. vets. Yeah. All right. Well, next time we'll have a vet. But definitely, it's a possibility. Okay. <laughs> and then, I think one thing I know the answer to this, but Lyme disease is not transmittable person to person. No, it is not. It is not transmitted from one person to another person. Let me just say, yeah. No, it is not. It is not communicable disease from uh, human to human. 
even sometimes we have a pregnant ladies come into the uh, office and they're having concerns about like being transmitted to the baby. And usually we don't have, uh, so far the studies didn't show that Lyme disease uh, can be transmitted to the baby. Because the, the, the bacteria of the Lyme disease, basically, it's uh, along the line, uh, it's like similar to the, uh, the cephalus. Uh, uh, it's the same, you know, like kind of bacteria. There, uh, so the, the cephalus can be transmitted to the, to the baby, but, you know, the Lyme disease, uh, uh, it does not. So there is no risk. Information yeah. on that one. Where did the name Lyme disease come from? Uh, Lyme is a, a town in uh, Connecticut. And basically, uh, is that where the first case was? Exactly. Yeah, it's just first cases, I think, and then they call it Lyme disease after that. So it's not related to some sort of citrus yeah. fluid or fruit. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no lemon disease uh, that we know of. Not yet. Okay. All right. Well, that's something that we could look forward to. Uh, this is great information. That was uh, Kristen Baker, uh, nurse practitioner, and Dr. Uh, Ahmed Abulful, infectious disease specialist, providing clarity and direction and guidance for individuals that may they think they may be uh, afflicted with Lyme disease. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.